Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series. I'm John Harrington, the editor of PR Week UK. A Noise in Brief is an offshoot of our Beyond the Noise podcast. We'll be analysing the biggest news stories in the industry from the past week or so in a bite-sized format. Joining me today, as usual, all the way from sunny Manchester, where she's been for Easter, is PR Week UK news editor Siobhan. Hi, Siobhan. Hi. We also have reporters Eliza Redu. And Evie Barrett, hello to you both. Hello. I wanted to start with some big news in mergers and acquisitions. As we record this, news has just broken that FGS Global is set to get a major new investor. US private equity firm KKR is buying just under 30% of the agency. Now, there's a lot to unpick here, but I'm going to give a bit of background first for those who haven't been following because it can get a bit confusing. FGS Global formed at the end of 2021 from the merger of Finsbury, Glover, Herring and Saad Verbinen. Finsbury Glover Herring itself only launched at the start of that year, 2021, from the merger of WPP agencies Finsbury, which is based in the UK, Glover Park Group of the US, and Herring Schroepner, whose origins are in Germany. 
And the valuation of the deal, just over $1.4 billion, has turned some heads. An analyst from Citigroup said the implied value of FGS Global for WPP may be worth more than the entire current value of its PR division, which is quite something, really, when you think about the size of some of the agencies they own. It really shows the importance of large-scale corporate and financial comms advisory agencies to the big holding companies. Now, I think the scale is really important here. Um, In recent months, as well as FGS, we've seen Taneo in particular grow through bolt-on acquisitions, most notably Tolkien, which it bought in January. Um, And others like Havas have been taking a different route, growing its global network, which was not too long ago rebranded as H Advisors. Anyway, the deal is likely to delay a flotation for FGS Global by at least three years, perhaps quite a lot longer than that, really. A bit of a new path, I guess, for that global player. And in an interesting twist, KKR is actually a client of FGS. Um, I think there are quite a few people at the agency that are quite enthused, actually, about KKR having a bit of an active role perhaps not on a day-to-day basis, but more of a sort of directional role in terms of what FGS is doing because KKR is invested in quite a few interesting like telecoms companies, media, lots of sort of interesting areas. So that could be an advantage to FGS. Anyway, on the topic of M&A, I recommend listening to the recent Beyond the Noise podcast on that topic, um, which is obviously a big theme at the moment. But it's not just FGS. There are quite a lot of other acquisitions in the last couple of days Eliza, you wrote about one involving Jargon Group. What can you tell us about that? So the Jargon Group has acquired technology comms agency Excel. It's not Jargon Group's first acquisition, is it? They've made a few recently. No, this is their fifth acquisition in four years. And it's clear to see that they're focusing on growth at the moment. Great. Well, interesting one that we'll look at with interest. And Evie, another type of M&A really you were writing about um, the agency with. They've been doing some interesting things. What's the news from them? Yeah, so another type of M&A from another tech specialist agency. So they've sold 100% of their shares to an employee ownership trust, which means that the trust now owns the business on behalf of the staff. So that gives employees a financial stake in the business and they also have the right to become involved in how the business is run. So I wrote a piece last year on the benefits of this model because quite a few agencies have transferred to it in recent years. We've had City Press, Brands to Life and Milk and Honey to name a few. I think one of the most obvious benefits is tax-free bonuses for the staff because they can receive up to £3,600. But aside from that, a lot of the agencies say that it's been good for recruitment and retention because it gives employees more of a say in, in the business and helps them feel more involved. I know that with PR said that they chose employee ownership to boost its collaborative culture and to bring a more diverse range of perspectives into the decision making. So I think it's a really positive step for a lot of agencies who want their staff to feel really involved with the business. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting step, isn't it? And I think Recruitment and retention is right. I mean, there's been quite a debate recently, hasn't there, about whether the great resignation still exists in PR. And while I think most people are probably in the view that it's not like what it was, and obviously there are fears about potential job losses and more difficulties down the road as the economy gets more challenging, I think the need to retain good staff is just a constant in this industry. And I think if you can keep them involved and engaged and also have people from different backgrounds involved, as you say, in the decision-making process... I think that can only help, really. So I think it's a positive direction and we'll be looking undoubtedly at other agencies that will do similar things in the months and years ahead. So that's that's interesting. So moving on, this month we're running a new 
series, a new four-part series called What Clients Want from Agencies. This is fairly self-explanatory, and we're speaking to comms and corporate affairs directors about what they like and don't like from agencies. Evie, your feature in the series went live this week. Um, what can you tell us about yours? Yeah, so I spoke to Melanie Duffett, who is Brand and Communications Director at Sodexo, which, if you don't know, is a food services and facilities management company. And she had a really interesting perspective on this because when she became the um, comms director, one of the changes that she made was to get rid of most of the business's retained contracts with agencies. So Sodexo does a lot of its PR in-house now, essentially. So it only works with agencies on a retained basis, really. And the thinking behind that is that Melanie was saying a lot of the day-to-day comms work can be done by the in-house comms team. So she felt that there was a lot of overlap when they were working with agencies on a retained basis. So the only time that they really bring in agencies now is when they think that they can have a real impact on campaigns, for example. So Sodexo worked with Brands to Life on a few campaigns, one last year and one this year. And that was an example of where the agency is really having a tangible impact. A few other in-house teams who I've spoken to recently seem to have taken a similar approach to um, comms. So they seem to be taking a lot of their PR in-house, which makes me wonder whether maybe it's becoming more favorable to only work with agencies on a project basis, given the current financial climate. Maybe that's a trend that we might see more of. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. And actually, our Top 150 project, which is coming out next month, will look at some of these issues. I've just been looking over some data about project versus retainers. And there should be interesting findings there. But I think there are definitely quite a lot of in-house teams that have been taking this approach. And I think there's more onus there on agencies to provide more products that that the clients want. And I think while some of them will be very keen to sort of work with agencies on a project basis, I think a lot of agencies really want to keep those retainers, which is quite an important thing if you want to have consistent growth and so on. So I think it's a really interesting case study, actually. So, yeah, I, I recommend... PR Week readers having a look at that. I mean, I actually spoke to Alex Dory at Ogo Energy last week as part of this series. So it was very interesting talking to her. I mean, one of the main points um, that she made was that agencies don't necessarily have to be an expert on everything. She said skills are obviously very important, bringing in skills that the in-house team don't necessarily have. It doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, an absolute whiz on everything. She gave the example of kind of data and analytics providers. I think this sense that there are organizations out there that can help with these things. So I think her view was that she really just wants kind of smart people who are good at what they do. And probably the jack of all trades, master of none approach is something that should really be avoided to paraphrase a bit, really. But I, I think that was worth bringing out. And I mean, some of the other things, I mean, she used the term that I like, which is scrappy agencies. She said she likes startup agencies with, you don't necessarily have you know, the sort of scale and the kind of tradition and the sort of the corporate mindset, but more of a startup mindset that are willing to sort of shift and adapt and kind of disrupt things. So I thought that was a really interesting take. And she also was talking about things like the importance of of trust. Maybe that goes without saying, but also the fact that she likes those is where the heads can be involved in things and sort of, it's not just a case of you take an agency on and then you'll never see the senior people after the pitch, which is something that a few in-house people have spoken to me about before so I think that was that was really interesting but this is a project that we're gonna we're gonna run across April so keep a lookout for it I think um you know it's just some re- really interesting to get those those takes and those senior in-house leaders okay moving on so let's lighter note really we had a comment piece this week 
discussing brand collaborations. Something we've seen quite a lot of recently, really. And many seem to be focused on doing strange things with food. So we've had, for example, it was Heinz and vodka. What was the vodka brand? Absolute vodka. Absolute vodka. Yeah. There was Subway and Cadbury's cream eggs. I hope I'm not putting anyone off their breakfast or lunch or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a new genre, but there certainly seems to be more of it now. Um, what do we all think of this? Is this harmless, good, quirky, fun, good way to get brand's name out there? Or we risk of like falling into cliche and being being less effective. I think it's really innovative because you get to see brands work with people that you may not associate with them. For example, one that I really liked recently was the Jimmy Choo X Guardian Sailor Moon collaboration. And Sailor Moon is a animated series. I thought it was really fun seeing the wacky combinations and the designs that are very anime-esque. I thought it was new and something that you don't always see. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think there's been a recent rise as well in a lot of brands partnering, especially luxury brands partnering with not as glamorous brands, shall we say. So like you've had Balenciaga, which does like luxury handbags, partnering with Lays, which is a crisp company. And then you've had Nike, which is big brand name, partnering with Tiffany & Co, which is a jeweler. So there's some interesting collaborations, but obviously there's been a bit of a question as well, whether these are appropriate in the cost of living crisis. And Vicky Baker at Circle PR made an interesting point. She said that while the current climate needs to be an important consideration when thinking of campaigns, that these brands or brands similar are fortunate enough to have a target market that may be less impacted. And it's important that they don't lose their sense of creativity and fun. Yeah, I think they can work really well. I think the one that you mentioned, John, the Heinz and Absolute, I think that was a good collaboration because it had a reason behind it. I know that Gigi Hadid posted about a spicy vodka pasta recipe and that sort of went viral. So it seemed like they collaborated off the back of that and it was really successful as a result. But I'm not sure that there's always that relevance there that makes the campaign successful. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, it, quite a lot of the time when I talk to sort of creative directors and people involved in PR stunts, there seems to be this real split between people who say, well, it got good publicity. It's a sort of fun, cost-effective way of getting brands' names out there. And others that say we're in danger of falling into cliche and actually the PR industry needs to sell itself as a genuine creative force. And how can it be creative if it's basically recycling the same ideas? I mean, I guess if it works, it works. And some of these have been pretty successful and some of them can tie in in, in a more kind of obvious way. The Subway Cabbage Cream Egg one was an Easter promotion, wasn't it? So, well, Easter Cabbage Cream Eggs, you got that link and then you got Subway, two huge brands. I mean, it's probably done quite well in terms of coverage. So while it's not necessarily the most original, you know, this industry isn't necessarily about having originality over everything. But yeah, I agree. Writing for PR Week, you just see so many of these things that you kind of get quite attuned to what is a bit of a trope. And I guess part of the difficulty is your average Joe on the street isn't going to look at things in the same way. I do sort of think the baked beans and on Weetabix campaign from a few years ago that Frank PR did has probably spurred on quite a lot of this. That was such a huge hit, perhaps unexpectedly, but it really showed that the sort of doing quirky things with food can really sort of take off, particularly as a collaboration. 
it's time now to move on to top and flop of the week. Siobhan, you've got our top this week. What is it? So the top this week is uh, quite appropriate with me being in Manchester at the moment. So um, the top is the Palace Theatre's response to theatre etiquette. So I'm sure a lot of people have already heard about this, but for those that haven't, on Friday evening, the Palace Theatre in Manchester cancelled the last 10 minutes of its musical, which is The Bodyguard, after several members of the audience were forcibly removed because they refused to remain seated and stop singing loudly during the performance. There's been mobile footage that's been going around that shows a woman shouting over the top of the hit Whitney Houston song, I Will Always Love You, at the show's finale. And then they have been forcibly removed by the security staff at the theatre. It's come, I think, as a bit of a surprise as well, because as people entered the theatre, there were signs instructing the audience not to sing along. It's really erupted and it's even had the actor and former Pussycat Doll star of the musical, Melody Thornton, apologising to fans after the performance. Um, and it's snowballed this story. It's even been discussed on this morning with presenter Alison Hammond having to apologise for claiming that people should be allowed to sing along at performances. And then on social media, there was a statement from the theatre and they said that they were disappointed that they had to cancel the show within the last 10 minutes due to this disruptive uh, behaviour from the customers. The Palace in the statement thanked the Greater Manchester Police. They said they were grateful to the venue teams for dealing with the difficult circumstances, especially in a professional and calm way. The theatre's gone on to confirm that the future performances would continue as planned, but they've pointedly ask customers that they need to be considerate towards the cast, the fellow audience members and the theatre team. So yeah, it could be viewed as a comms success or a comms failure, but I think overall it's really a success for the Palace Theatre because they've handled it as best they can with the interests of the entire audience and the cast and the staff in mind. Their statement sort of commends those that have been involved and they've taken quite a strong stance on it and as someone who's been to the Palace Theatre and other theatres as well this is not a problem just for Manchester this is a problem for the theatre community because there's been a lot of comments come up recently in the press about other other theatres saying we've been experiencing this problem and it's getting worse so yeah I think it's a common success because people will now really check their behaviour But obviously, what do you guys think? What I quite liked about it was the way you had the theatre give their response, which was relatively stern and straight down the line. But also you had quite empathetic responses from the stars of the show. Because I saw on Twitter that they were kind of giving these quite sort of personal responses, apologising for the disruption and then explaining the situation in a very kind of human way. So I liked the way the response on the one hand was that personal thing from the individuals who were kind of famous or relatively famous. And then you also had the sort of, stern response from the theatre which is if you're going to come here don't sing I will always love you because no one wants that I think one important aspect of this from a comms perspective is it's got the bodyguard in the news it's got the musical the bodyguard in the news nobody is looking uh, negatively upon the production it's not a scandal but they've managed to sort of put it out there get a lot of column inches from it and Hopefully it will help for ticket sales in a sector that, let's face it, needs to sort of bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on to flop then. Evie, you're taking this one on. Yeah, so I'm sure you all saw that fairly bizarre incident this week where the Dalai Lama was seen asking a boy to suck his tongue, which is very odd in itself. But I think the Twitter apology that the Dalai Lama posted really didn't diffuse the issue because obviously loads of people were talking about it and 
the apology itself only mentions the boy asking the Dalai Lama for a hug and then the Dalai Lama goes on to apologize to the boy's family. It also speaks about the fact that he often teases people in an innocent and playful way, but it didn't actually address the issue itself, which a lot of people were still questioning. The apology tweet actually had added context from readers clarifying what happened and pointing out that sticking out your tongue is a Tibetan form of respect, but that doesn't involve sucking. I think the fact that they had to add this context and explain what had actually happened shows that the apology didn't really do the job and people are still quite confused about the whole thing. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I think if you're doing comms for any kind of religious spiritual leader, I mean, I don't think there are many comms assignments like that, but I think it doesn't mean you can't be sort of conscious of these sorts of issues of how things look. And also doesn't mean that you should necessarily be able to skirt around genuine concerns about things. So yeah, I agree. I think it could have been handled a lot better. What a strange incident. Okay, that's it for this episode. Noise in Brief goes out every two weeks. In the meantime, look out for our Beyond the Noise podcast next week. Thanks to Siobhan, Eliza and Evie. And thanks to you for listening. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.